this is the education show unlocking opportunities in teaching and learning through collaboration proudly brought to you by zabuza.net once again it is the education show and you know this already i love doing the show and i love the guests we get and the, the people that we get to chat to and today's somewhat of a record i think uh, for the education show we've got uh, four guests that are joining me so i'm looking forward to that from ens africa we have uh, natasha wachit and rory frank good morning to you good morning david morning everyone. morning david morning everyone and then uh, two special guests, first time on the show for us. Uh, we've got uh, Keegan Jacobs and Courtney Jane Dykes. How are you guys? Hi, David. I'm well, thanks. How are you? Always good. Hi, David. Keegan here. Yeah. Um, good, thanks. How are you doing? Good, good, good. Nice to have you guys with us. Uh, today we're going to uh, dive straight in. And I, I, I'm guessing that for the most part, Rory and Natasha have, have almost finished with studies, uh, but uh, Keegan, yourself and Courtney, I think maybe you're still busy with your studies. So maybe I'll talk to you guys first, because today we're talking about studying and we're talking about study plans. And uh, this is something, and I'm going to I'm going to be honest now. Full disclosure, um, I never I never had one of these when I was at school. Um, I think we have established I was a horrible student, and. The interesting thing is I've had to learn how to study in later life and it would have been so much easier if I'd done it at school and done that boring thing about listening to my teachers and my parents. So now that we've got that out of the way, Courtney, let me start with you. What exactly is a study plan? Uh, well, David, I'll start by saying that I was the last to finish studying, but I am currently working at the moment. Um, a study plan consists of a study timetable, which is essentially a summary of the course material of each subject uh, a student is studying, coupled with an explanation of how and when subjects should be studied. Okay, short and sweet. It already starts to sound a little bit uh, uh, complex. Um, Natasha, in, in, in your experience, study plans, are they essential? Yes. So like you, David, I first started not having a plan. And then I soon realized as I went into high school, actually, and then as you progress, I'm sure the rest of the people on this call hopefully can agree. And when you hit university, particularly, that you need to actually have a way to to recap more than once, preferably, and, and a steady plan um, so that you get all the information in your brain and that you feel confident. And I think for yourself to ensure that you're confident and calm when you tackle that test or exam, a study plan is essential. Okay. Yeah, I, I would. I would totally agree with you there. As I said, being a horrible <laughs> student, um, I used to. I, it used to terrify me going into write exams because I knew, I knew, and unfortunately, um, my brain was able to retain some of the information, so I managed to get by. But uh, the stress, in retrospect, certainly was not worth it. Um, Rory, you're a proponent of study plans as well. Yes, definitely. I only discovered it late in my life as well. Um, I basically just rode the wave of um, not studying through high school. And I 
slag, I basically regret that because high school could have been so much easier with less stress and less tears every time my report card came home. Um, but I'm definitely, I believe 100% in study plans. I think it removes the stress before the exam. It's something to be proud of if you do get good marks afterwards, after the exam. And it's also, it's a nice feeling in the exam knowing what's actually happening. There's nothing worse than sitting in the exam, not answering half the questions and then panicking about the results afterwards. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Keegan, um, are you still studying or have you moved uh, moved on? I don't know. Um, luckily, I've, I've moved on. I've had my, my five years of studies and then some articles as well. Um, but I'm currently working at the moment. Okay, dokie. Now you now you mentioned articles, so this this I'm gonna I'm gonna just put right out there right now, and then you guys can agree or not on this one. But something like that, if you're studying, if you're doing your articles or um, doing any of the advanced uh, chartered accountant CA kind of stuff, um, I've seen firsthand how people can absolutely drown there. So study study plans are important. So. Keegan, tell me, in terms of a study plan, where does where would you recommend one would start? I think the main part would be to determine what the amount of work is that you need to go through. I think one of the big problems is that people leave things too late, and I was myself a culprit of that, and that's when people start to drown. I think determining what you need to go through and then working backwards. When's the first exam that you need to do? When's the first test? And how much time do I predict I need? And then adding a few more days to that. Because as good as a study plan is, one, one thing I've realized is that, you know, it never sticks to exactly what you plan and you need to build in some extra time. So I think just giving yourself that leeway, leeway beforehand, it's, it's very important to, to not adding to the stress which naturally comes with exams. Yeah, and particularly these days. I mean, we, we're going to get onto that uh, a little later on in terms of, of these days and what that means. But uh, now, Natasha, um, having chatted to you a couple of times, um, you probably get a laugh at the question I'm going to ask you. But um, is there a way you can get like a pre-made or pre-done study plan or do you have to uh, draw your own up? Well, there are ideas. So in preparation for this um podcast, I actually did look and they give you wonderful ideas. But that being said, it has to be your own because you have unique circumstances. Even like Keegan said, your timetable won't be the same for everybody else. But there's sort of macro ways that one can go about it. For example, um, drawing on what Keegan said, like looking at your specific timetable and then working backwards. But you are unique and you need to do something that resonates with you because it needs to kick in and you must want to continue doing it. So to answer your question in a nutshell, use the guides that are there, but make it your own. Okay. All right. So once again, David doesn't get the lazy person's way out and uh, we're going to have to put some work in here. Courtney, when you... Courtney, when you were studying, um, did you have a specific plan and could you share that with us? Uh, yes, I did. I only implemented this plan in my final year, which was probably a little bit too late. Um, but what I would do is for, particularly for the exam periods that were set, so mainly the June and the November exam period, I'd print out a calendar of the, of the months um, within which I'd be writing exams and I print out a month before that as well. Um, and what I do is uh, 
kind of similar to what Keegan was saying, is that I'd allocate an equal amount of time for subjects which I felt uncomfortable with, and I'd allocate more time for those subjects which I struggled with. Um, and when setting out uh, my study plan per this calendar, I'd um, leave at least two to three days before uh, the particular test or exam that I'd be writing so that those three days could be spent revising and doing past papers. Um, and I found that that worked well for, for me and my own study technique. Okay. That, well, that sounds like a, a, a brilliant way to, to get things done. Keegan, was your study methods much different? No, mine was actually quite similar. And I still, I still like to use the big calendar today in terms of planning. Um, but absolutely. So what I would do was determine where I struggle and just hold in some extra time to get through that. Um, what I do early on is try and, and cover the things which I thought I understood, get a good grip of that, um, and then leave myself enough time to unfortunately have to deal with the things which, which are a lot tougher. Um, so yeah, very similar to Courtney um, in terms of planning. Awesome stuff. Okay, now what you guys are describing so far is a is a very sort of linear, what I would term a linear plan. You know, getting a calendar, writing things down. Um, this this assumes, of course, that um, we do know how to study. And and um, I'm going to ask uh, Rory now. You know, in terms of um, studying, uh, did you also use a very linear way of doing things? Yes, David. So I, I think just just before I answer, I think I think the whole thing is that as an individual that's studying, you continually grow and you start understanding more about how you study and the techniques you should use. So by us saying use a calendar, you might find it better to use your laptop's calendar or a notepad, or you understand what I'm saying. So for me, I discovered towards only in my university. Um, in my university or my second degree at university, how my brain operates. So I landed up using colors as a way. So if you classify that as linear, then yes, um, I would use colors for different contexts. So in law, you have to learn definitions and acts. And then I would use orange for any um, section that I have to remember and yellow for any key points and green. So in your exam, it's, you try to minimize your thinking and um, and try to become more of a parrot. So because you knew you put in the effort, then I would remember, oh, there was a green and a yellow piece on this page. And then you would write down that answer. So I think for studying, I think you have to learn or develop your own techniques. Um, but bullet points, mind maps, different color highlighting, make the experience enjoyable, even though some people might not find it. I think that's that's the way I used to study. Fantastic. Well, you, you, you actually got to where I was hoping you would get in terms of, of uh, more nonlinear stuff, uh, things like using colors, things like uh, mind maps, because I think that, that sort of in, incorporates what uh, these days people call whole brain learning. Uh, Natasha, mm. do, do you use uh, mind maps or any colors or things like that? Yes, so I do my maps, I get blank pieces of paper and I put a topic in the middle with a circle around and then everything that comes from that. And I also do something else. So by the time I finished, I try and take dense information and it becomes keywords that will jump out in my brain and it can actually be on a post-it. And that's what I remember and then my brain, in, in particular colors as well. 
But what I do, which actually was a bit strange when I had roommates, was that I would line up my teddy bears and then I would talk them and teach them. That's what I actually used to do. And, <laughs> and then it, was, it would ensure that I was able to actually convey the information. So when I came into an exam and there was a question, it would play back in my mind. So a combination of mind maps and colors, post-its at the end of it so that it was just big ideas and I could fill in the detail and actually teaching my teddy bears. That's what I did. <laughs> okay, so so when you walked into an exam room, you you envisioned the uh, invigilators as teddy bears. <laughs> Not quite, but but yes. <laughs> yes. Okay, now uh, moving back to you, Courtney. You, you know, it's all it's all good and well studying, and studying is is wonderful. But, uh, you know, I've, I always say to people, I've got a photographic memory. Um, unfortunately, most of the time, nothing develops, um, which is a throwback to how old I am when you still had to develop films and stuff like that. So you guys probably know nothing about that. But anyway, uh, Courtney, um, how do you remember then? Because you, you guys and, and, you know, even at, like you're at school level. And, and if I compare um, the various grades that are, are, are now um, in schools, and I was still in the, the the good old days where we had to scrub things with a hammer and chisel, and we had standards. Um, you know, remembering stuff is the problem because I used to be able to sit down and go, "Okay, I got to study, got to try and do this," and then I'd kind of go, "Oh, look, a squirrel!" And before I knew it, I had a comic book inside of my textbook, and the rest was history. So, how do we remember, Courtney? A technique that I find helpful is that once I've done the reading of the content and the speaking to myself and the teaching of my teddy bears, as Natasha mentioned <laughs> about herself, um, I find it helpful to ascribe familiar visual imagery to my content. Um, so for example, when it came to studying for accounting during high school and for my board exams, what helped was to list the steps of how to record a particular transaction. And let's assume that there were five steps. I'd allocate each step to different rooms or areas in my house. So I'd visualize myself standing um, in front of my house and I'd see the door and I knew that when I entered the front door, I'd have to remember recording the instruction fee, for example. And when I walked down the passage and looked to my right, I looked towards my parents' room and I remembered that I had to record a third allowance fee and so on and so forth. Um, so I find that that particular technique is helpful because you become familiar with the content as you would your home, for example. Um, I think singing and making up songs um, and pseudonyms for work is also, uh, those are also good techniques to follow. So, yeah, and, and I agree with you there. It's, it's um, and, and what you were talking about there in terms of your, your rooms or whatever, um, I think that's often referred to as a, a memory palace. So you associate different things with different rooms. There's ways of doing it with numbers. Um, so that certainly works. But from what I'm hearing you guys saying is in order to effectively learn, it's all about finding out what your correct way is and then trying to involve as much of your brain and as much of your senses as possible. So let's get Keegan to weigh in quickly. Is, is this something that you use as well? Um, yes, David, I do. I'm, I'm similar to Natasha, I'm a bit of a speaker. Um, but what I tend to do, and, and unfortunately it takes quite a bit of time when I study, 
was I did read through the work one time and then I'd attempt to either answer a past paper or to answer the revision questions. And of course, having read through the work once, you get enormous amounts incorrect. But it would give me a sense of what I tend to know after just reading what I don't. Then I'd actually study the work and then I'd answer that exact same questions again. And now having done better, that slowly starts to build my confidence until I get those questions to a point where, where I can feel comfortable. Um, and of course, that takes quite a bit of time. But in studying, it's also a confidence thing. And you need to build your confidence up to believe that you can answer certain questions. And when questions are similar or, or of a similar nature in the exam, you can rely on the base answer, which you've already um, uncovered. And, and that was my approach to doing it. And of course, as I said, it takes a, takes a bit of time, but it did help me a lot to get to a point where I felt comfortable um, with the contents of the work. Wonderful stuff. Now, and, and I'm going to put it out there because learning is so vital to us in terms of our, our, our everyday life, in terms of progressing through school, college, university, whatever it may be. I'm a big fan of, of lifelong learning. And I do believe that we never, ever stop learning. So if you can get some of these basic techniques down and make it fun, I think that's the most important thing because I always used to see learning as just being an absolute pain and it just interrupted all the other stuff I wanted to do, like video games and go and play outside with my mates, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so mindset is, is incredibly important there. Um, Talking about that, what I was also famous for doing is I would leave everything until the last minute. I was Mr. Last Minute Joe, and then I would have this mountain of stuff to try and get through. And generally at around three, four in the morning, I'd throw my hands up in the air and say, I'm never going to be able to do this. Rory, revising your work and, and kind of breaking it down into chunks, how important is that? I think, David, that's the one of the best ways to get prepared for obviously your exam, the revision stage. And it's also a stage where you actually start building confidence. Like Egan said, confidence is, ends up being key to your success because you know that you have covered your, your, your work. So um, what I would have done with my revision, revision sessions, um, I would try to work on a seven-day policy. This was towards my matric year. Um, and I will try to work on seven days. So if I knew exam was seven days, I would give two days of collecting all my notes because I didn't take notes in class. So that was a bit of a hassle. Then I would do three days of studying the notes, and then I would do two days of revising or one day of revising. And by having a whole day just to revise, it builds so much confidence in you. And because you've seen all the work beforehand, if you have to add on anything new, it's not such a mission. And actually, there's a motivational aspect of it, of that you want to ace the exam or ace the test. And it's just a whole confidence thing. It's a psyche thing. So the more um, times that your study technique starts to pay off, the higher your marks are getting and the more you are actually determined to study um, or put more effort into studying in the future. That's the way I looked at it. And that's the way my, what the way my academic life actually just changed from high school all the way through university. Yeah. Okay. So Natasha, very quickly in terms of, of, of studying and revisions, 
Um, from your perspective, because I know in uh, fancy speak, uh, there's the, there's the whole story about how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time, um, which translates into chunking down the information. And I think that uh, was one of the things that always used to get to me is I would I would suffer from overwhelm because I left it so long. There was a bunch of stuff and I just was like, I'll never do it. Um, in terms of that, Natasha, chunking down, breaking it into smaller pieces, is that something that you recommend? I completely recommend that, David, because it by you actually looking at the information in, in its totality and then chunking it down or breaking it and linking it to other information that is part of the same theme, you're already learning because you're coding it and you're putting it together. And then by the same time, it also feeds into a positive psyche, like Rory mentioned, because you feel confident and when you look at it, it's not this massive information that will lead you to feel overwhelmed. And the only way that you can really do that successfully is to start sooner rather than later. So I totally believe in that. Okay. Um, Courtney, in terms of this, I mean, you've heard my story about how I used to wait for the last minute to do everything. Do you think that it's important in terms of revising to, to have a plan for like your entire semester and start at the very beginning. So as you start to go through the work, you would then revise and revise and revise. Uh, I do agree with that, David. I will say that I think it sounds like a bit of a daunting task to do so. Um, but I think uh, an effective way in which a student could plan to do that is to be present and focused during class, whether that's online or in person, um, and to do preparation readings beforehand so that when you pay attention in class and when you, you take your notes, half of the work in terms of studying has already been done for you. Um, and in that way, when it does come to the time to really buckle down and start studying, um, shorter and effective study periods will be able to work best because the information will have been cemented in your mind already, or at least half of it. So all you need to do is really sit down and try to figure out ways that would work for you in terms of memorizing and understanding the contents of the work. Another quick question for you, Keegan, and then we're going to go into the wrap-up section. We're going to talk a little bit about, uh, about COVID. But uh, in terms of this sort of chunking it down and making it uh, easier to, to, to understand. What is your feeling uh, in terms of how long should we spend at a time doing the studying and revision? Because again, my story was I would try and cram in uh, eight or 10 or 12 hours or whatever of studying. And, and I just, my brain couldn't handle it. I'll, I'll be honest with you. And I've, I've discovered a different method of doing that. What is yours? Yeah, David, I won't lie. I also had a similar problem and it took me a, a long time to, to be better at it. And, you know, I want to say what the correct answer is, but understand that people are very busy during the day and, and sometimes they can be extremely long and therefore you don't need an enormous amount of time to actually revise. You don't even have to revise everything you went through for the day. But sometimes just an hour and a half at the end of the day while the work is still fresh in your mind, just to, to see what do I understand, what do I not understand, instead of waiting for five, six, seven weeks until the exam and then remembering that I didn't understand something seven weeks ago and all of a sudden, you know, you're learning it afresh. So sometimes just, you know, um, it could either be an hour before you go to class, um, as Courtney said, where you, where you prep for it, because a lot of times I went to class and I didn't know what the, what the lecture, what the teacher was talking about, and I just sat there making notes 
of what I need to study at the later stage. Instead, where I could actually be engaging with and saying, okay, I know that, I don't know that, you know, more of a, a productive session. So sometimes just an hour, an hour and a half, maybe two hours if you have the time at the end of the day, just to reflect what, what you went through today. And you can either build on, on the strengths that you, that you know, the things that you learned today, or use that time to, to revise the areas which you struggled with. And just doing that consistently every day, every second day, just keep keeping that rhythm going will really help you with terms of your stress levels, in terms of covering all the work when you get to the exam. You know, I was a firm advocate that you don't always know, know all of the work because it is a large amount, but knowing as much as you can and working consistently will help you with that to the point where you don't sit in the exam and all of a sudden you see something for the first time. And, and that's a, a stress that no one wants. And, and I think working consistently can eradicate that stress. Mm, yeah, <laughs> stress, yeah. Stress is, is, is a killer. Um, Natasha, what I've learned uh, in my time since I've realized the importance of, of this concept of lifelong learning and studying is I actually do those, those study periods. Some people would now these days refer to it as the deep work um, I do that in sort of 20-minute periods. So I'll try and concentrate as much as I can for 20 minutes. And then for like five or 10 minutes, I'll do something differently. Even if it is getting up from my desk, going for a walk outside, going to go and play with the dogs, whatever the case may be. Uh, is that something that, that, that you do as well or have done? Yes. So I have a notoriously short attention span. Rory can confirm this. So I do do bursts where I really um, concentrate and then I need to do something differently um, and then come back because it's also a good way to let your brain just not focus on that same thing. And when you come back, for me at least, it's really magical because then I remember what I learned and then I'm, I'm present completely um, because my brain knows that it won't be for an extended period of time. So I'm a big proponent of just shorter bursts and then doing something else and then coming back to it. It okay. also makes it more manageable. Yeah. Sorry, it makes it more? Manageable for you as a person because you know you not, you don't have this long night ahead. You know that it's going to be broken up and it's going to be a bit varied. Yeah. Because also one of my things is I'm I'm a big fan of my sleep. I like my sleep. So <laughs> me too. <laughs> so going without, and I'm also I'm one of those weird people. And this is something that uh, you as a as a learner need to understand as well. Um, people operate at their peak at different times. Um, I know people that uh, can study and work well into the night, and they thoroughly enjoy it. Yet if you ask them to do anything first thing in the morning. Um, you're not going to get so much luck. I'm the exact opposite. I'm a morning person. Um, I, I'm literally one of the lucky ones. I can wake up, uh, open my eyes, my brain is functioning, and I can get going right there and then. So I would think just also finding out where and how you study best uh, is, is something very, very important. What do you say, Rory, because um, we're going to get on to the big thing about COVID in just a bit, but what do you say in, in terms of um, how you study your, your routines and um, your environment? How important is that? David, I think that's actually one of the more important aspects. Um, studying, some, if you, the way, okay, I'll talk about from my personal experience. 
Um, as I developed, obviously, I understood how I must study the environment I must create around me. And it actually changed the environment of me just sitting by my desk alone to me actually sitting in a library space. And the reason is that when you're studying, if you look at university, for instance, um, your high school friends change. You don't have um, the same friends that you had at high school. And you need to almost put yourself in a position where people are going through similar stress to you. Um, that's That is my belief system. So if I knew I'm studying with three of my friends and they have the same timetable and they have the same stress, your anything of doing a mini lunch together, like Natasha said, like taking a, a short break, you do with a friend, get your mind off the exam, and then you both sit down and motivate each other to continue studying for the exam. So I think your environment can actually get or plays one of the most important aspects of your of your studying. If you're in a, dis, a distractive environment of having the comfort of a TV in front of you, some people find that comfortable comforting i know some of you should study and watch series while they studied but for me it was a big distraction so i removed all my um, comfort of my home and i rather sat in a library on hard chairs um just to buckle down and just stay focused on my on my exam yeah i was i was one of those people a friend of mine um loved going to when he was at varsity would always study in the library um i just found it very distracting um have you got anything to say in terms of that courtney uh, I'm with Rory on this one. I started studying in the library in my final year as well, uh, when my studying techniques started to click. Uh, and I found that, you know, support is key. And I think group solidarity is key as well. Um, before starting to study in the library, I wasn't too eager to head in because I always thought I'd be there alone. And I thought it would be an uncomfortable and strange environment. You know, you don't want to spend more time at university than you have to. Uh, but when I headed in and started studying in that environment, I realized that my level of focus improved. Um, unlike studying from home, I wouldn't be distracted by my dog or I wouldn't be uh, coaxed into conversations with my parents or my grandparents or anything along those lines. That was just my time and my space. And because I went to class at that university, I automatically, um, I automatically understood that space to be my focus space. So I think that's, that's incredibly helpful. It, it, it certainly makes sense in terms of your environment and finding a place that works for you. I know people who, st uh, who study listening to music or will have a TV on in the background or something like that or have study groups. Um, I can't do any of those. If, if I have music on before, I know what happens to me. I'm singing along and I've totally forgotten what I'm doing. Um, now let's get to, to, to the elephant in the room, ladies and gentlemen, and that is the fact that uh, COVID is still with us. Uh, last year was was a nightmare. We've discussed this, but uh, there are certain restrictions. There are certain things that are happening. Um, you know, I don't think COVID's going to go away anytime soon. So during this COVID period, Natasha, let's start off with you. Um, how do we then tailor study sessions or, or techniques that we use during this COVID? Because things are not the same anymore. Yeah, exactly. And um, a big component of it not being the same is our level of anxiety and stress. It's gone up a lot. And therefore, I think having the basics down are very important. So if you're lucky enough to be connected and have access to data, 
I would suggest that that solidarity should stay, but maybe try and have, for example, a WhatsApp group where you share stuff in that way or pass papers or your study techniques or your notes, if you're willing to share that with your friends in your study group. So have it done virtually because we are, we know that in person is, is not, not that easy anymore. And then also make sure that however you're being taught, being at school or some days online, you actually pay attention because that's going to allow you to um, help you with your studies and take away the anxiety of it. So ask questions, be present and then make sure that you you allow for time to just relax and de-stress and also study. So I think just if there's anything that I could add during the COVID time is don't downplay the level of anxiety that we all have and anxiousness and make allowance for that and accept it and look for novel ways like using the tools at your disposal, for example, WhatsApp groups um, to connect so that you do still have that support base because we all know, like all of us here have said that that is that's been integral for me and also the people on this on this podcast to success. So that solidarity. So that's what I would um, I would recommend. Okey Now we are um, reaching the end of uh, this particular episode of the Education Show. What I want to do is is if you were to give one piece of advice, um, I'm going to ask each of you this: What one piece of advice would you give to? Uh, teachers, parents, students that are, are listening to this particular podcast. And I'm going to start off with you, Keegan. What is your one piece of advice? Uh, my one piece of advice would be to keep an open mind. Um, no one saw COVID coming. We all have our techniques and um, our ways of studying. But unfortunately, sometimes circumstances need us to adapt to what's going on. And when I say keep an open mind, I mean be willing to to try a new technique, give yourself the time to, to adapt to it and make the best of it. You know, unlike Rory and Courtney, I was, in, I was a, a loner study. I'd study by myself. But in times like this where, you know, it's, it's tricky to have access to people that can help you, you know, I would have had to adapt my way of studying, um, you know, just to, to better myself. And at the end of the day, you have to put yourself first. Um, it's your studies. It's, it's your, your marks at the end of the day. Um, and yeah, just be open to willing to try new techniques, but also, you know, keep your base, focus on what you know and try and develop that in, instead of just, you know, going on a, on a, on a wild chase. Cool. Okay. Courtney, your piece of advice? Well, I'd say to students, take it slow. Um, in conjunction with everything Keegan said, I think these are difficult times and no one really knows how to navigate them. And studies are particularly um, difficult to handle, especially from a level of, um, or especially on a level of anxiety and, and stress. Um, but every bit of work that you do and every bit of effort that you put in will manifest in something good. And in terms of parents who are having to assist their children um, from home with their studies, I'd say you're doing your best, <laughs> keep going. Um, I, I have the world of respect for parents who are able to assist their, their children in maths or English or history or geography, whatever it may be, without having the qualification of a teacher to do so. Um, so, yeah, thank you for what you're doing and keep going with that. 
Fantastic stuff. Yeah. Uh, my fiance is actually currently going through her uh, design, interior design degree because her daughter's studying uh, at Potch at the moment. So I know exactly what that's all about. Um, <laughs> Rory, your piece of advice, what is that? Um, mine is prioritize yourself um, in the sense of sometimes during your studies, you might have to miss certain events. Um, and because they're good friends of yours. But I'm sure some good friends would understand if you have to study. So I think prioritize yourself and be aware that certain sacrifices have to be made. But I think it will be worth it if you do put in the time. Yeah, fantastic. Sound advice there. And wrapping it up with her final thoughts, Natasha. I think um, consistency. So like my four-year-old says, slow and steady. So be motivated at the beginning, break it up and be consistent. And also don't forget to breathe and just be gentle on yourself. Um, and because like Courtney said, these are really uncertain times and we're all trying our best to navigate that. So don't, don't get too overwhelmed and just take it one day at a time. But consistency can help you with that. Fantastic. And that, that wraps it up, I do believe, for the uh, education show. Uh, thank you, guys. Uh, Natasha, Rory, Courtney, Keegan, I do appreciate your time. I appreciate your impact, your impact and input. And uh, I'm sure we've got some valuable lessons there uh, for anybody who might be listening. So thank you, guys. Thank, thank you, David. Thank you. There we go. It wraps it up. Uh, we'll be with you again very, very soon. To each and every one of you, look after yourselves, take care, and thank you for listening. That was The Education Show. Simply learn. Join the conversation on zibuza.net. That's Z-I-B-U-Z-A dot net.